0: Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco
1: Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is usually not longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. So today I thought it'd be interesting to talk about something that I've just been kind of wrestling with recently with my development process. And and this is sort of broadly the, it's one of these things, it's not necessarily a novel concept, but I think it can have large implications for the way that you approach development and the It's just like this is more of a craft topic than like something very specific. Like there's no tangible outcome of this necessarily, but it's something that I've been thinking about. And the reason I've been thinking about it is because I've had an example recently where it came out really well for me. And I had an example where it came out really poorly for me. And specifically, this is some the concept that um, I've been sort of struck by recently of how decisions we make early in the development process are disproportionately impactful on the final product um, that we're able to create. Um, and as a result, the thoughtfulness which, which we need to apply to any decision sort of scales exponentially with how close it is to the start, that the first decisions are massively important. I mean, obviously, the most important one is probably to start with, like, should i build this or should i not build this which is dramatic you know it's like a <laughs> a, a, a buy bi- has a binary impact on the final product whether the final product exists or not um but then sort of falling off from there we have we initially in any process and this is obviously like can be a whole product or a new feature um, which is where i've been wrestling with it recently but every decision we make in that early phase uh, or as we p- progress is creating a foundation that all of the subsequent choices that we make have to build upon and have to adapt to and have to deal with, and so if we make good decisions uh, in the early stages of a process where we have something that is, you know, thoughtful and rich and is setting us are setting ourselves up for success in the future, like that's great. Uh, if we go through the early stages in kind of a naive, not really thinking about it approach to things. Um, Then we can set ourselves up in the future for lots of problems or issues that we're going to have to sort of dig ourselves out of. And and an example of this that I think is interesting, and I wrote a blog post about this that I'll have a link to in the show notes, but I recently had an example where I was, uh, where I'm working on a feature that does, gives you hiking directions for a hike that you want to go on. So you give it essentially a series of waypoints that you'd like to go to, and I use the Mapbox directions API. To gather up the uh, sort of a walking route between those points that you give it works works great. Um, and it and initially, my first thought was like, okay, I'll just use the API. Great. The API has two options. You can give it a, a fine essentially a simplified path that it returns back to you or a what do they call the full path uh, that it gives back to you. And the difference between these two paths is pretty dramatic. Uh, the full path, you know will often have, you know, sort of hundreds of points, and the simplified pass will have tens of points. Uh, and so initially, you have the first question of, like, which of these should I use? And in some ways, it's a fairly simple you know, sort of choice you're making. It's like, well, do I want the full resolution or the simplified one? But which what I choose here, I think, is going to, like, this is... yeah uh, My history will tell me that what I choose here will have massive implications on every other aspect of this feature because if I have 10 times the number or 20 times the number of data points... Everything I do is going to be 10 or 20 times slower or require 10 or 20 times more space. And the solutions that I'm able to use for something, you know, can I put this reasonably in memory? Can I put this, can I store this in SQLite? Or do I need to to store this in some other kind of custom thing? Just like, you know, just using basic indices, like all of these things will be impacted by this decision. And will subsequently also kind of change the things that are possible in the future. And so in this case, it's like I spent a lot of time really thinking through what I do here. And what I ended up actually doing is I took the full version of it, which is the, you know, has the 20 times more points, and then I applied a bit of math to it to shrink it down a bit. So I used there's a a line simplifying algorithm that I can use that shrinks it down, and I was able to get it to be about of a quarter of the size of the full, but at full, you know, essentially resolution. And so I'm now at a place where you know, I I feel good about the number of points I'm storing. Then the routes that you're getting are accurate, so I'm fee- I'm you know, checking the boxes on the user experience side, but I'm not setting myself for lots of pain and discomfort uh, down the road on the technical side because I'm not you know for, for a typical like a, for a four mile hike I'm only having to store maybe a hundred points. Which is should be fine rather than throwing 400 points, which would be less good, you know, four times slower, four times more difficult, four times running into things. And obviously you need to be careful with this kind of stuff of being like premature optimization. Cause you don't, the other tricky part in the tension you have to face is that you know, the least about what the future is going to hold at the beginning of a project. So, you, but you have to like still wrestle with this and make good decisions if for the future, you to like to set up your future self for success with all of the information that you have now and taking the time to be thoughtful in the you know in the present.
0: See this is interesting. Like the way I would have at- attacked this problem is very different and way more complicated. And that's probably sure. the worst solution as a result. <laughs> so like, you know, I-, I would have first of all I would have just tried like how efficient can I make all the algorithms so they work with four hundred points. Um, but then, you know, if if they somehow still wouldn't, because honestly, I usually I'm usually whenever I uh, underestimate the computing power of modern devices i'm usually very pleasantly surprised it, you know i will i will throw some you know pretty complicated amount of processing at something thinking i don't think it'll be able to keep up or i think this will use too much of the cpu and then i'll try it on the actual hardware and it's it uses like you know 0.5 percent of the cpu or something it's like oh okay then <laughs> so i would actually have just tried it um but then, you know, if for some reason it was still bad, I would have then probably made some kind of like dynamic, you know, point provider where you pro- where like at different levels of detail, it will provide you a different number of points. So when you're zoomed out, maybe it has a lower polygon version of the of the trail. And then if you zoom in, it shows like a more detailed version. Um, but all of that would probably be fairly complex and, and would <laughs> set me up for like, you know, for instance, um, you know, if I if I had that kind of d- dynamic provider thing first of all the number of bugs that could create at different levels of the stack is is truly massive uh, if you're if you're dealing with a different level of detail than you think you are with the data that you're getting back from it but then also like the you know for, you know what if that operation of providing the points is asynchronous for some reason you know then you are introducing this complexity where you can only ever deal with points from an async context um, so there's that's that's the kind of thing that, see like this is that, that actually that specific example that that has hit me um kind of intentionally with with my new overcast rewrite and the you know so when you're when you're setting up you know a early on in the project you know it's very similar like with you know what i'm doing with the rewrite here some of the decisions that you make are mainly meant to prevent you from running into major problems in the future so for instance i think starting a brand new project today that's 100% objective c and ui kit is probably going to cause you issues in the future sooner than if you had done it with Swift and Swift UI, um, and so that's why today, it, again, if you're starting a brand new project, you should probably be using Swift and Swift UI, you know, for for lots of reasons. Um, but you know, just you, you don't want to get to a point in the future where where all of a sudden you, you have a problem because either the thing you're using just got you know deprecated or unsupported some some long way down the line or um, you know, there's some big capability that you can't use or that will take you way more work than it will take everyone else to use. Uh, believe me, I'm an expert in this area <laughs> and, sure. and being on the wrong side of this. Um, so some of the decisions you make early on are kind of about just like give yourself the, the, the biggest chances of a smooth future. And so that's, that's things like tech decisions, language decisions, framework decisions. You know, one of the reasons why I don't like to use third-party frameworks is not that I hate everyone else's code. I mean, I do, but that's not that's not the reason. The reason is that I've been burned before. Um, you know, earlier in my career, I've I've had issues where I was relying on a third party framework of some kind, and either I ran into too many problems with it because it wasn't of of high enough quality, or it wasn't maintained anymore, or it just you know d- you know got discontinued or st- or stopped working on some new OS or some new platform or some new condition and it was just not being touched and so i i kind of learned the lesson there you know use the use the system stuff as much as possible and whatever is not the system stuff ideally use your own code as much as possible and i know that's there's lots of arguments against that for various reasons but that's that's why i do that is because i've been burned before and when you rely on someone else's you know for instance if you, if you're using someone else's ui framework instead of the native platform ui frameworks you're creating a a possible problem for yourself in the future if either the platform makes that not work anymore for some reason or the platform introduces some cool new capabilities your customers are going to want to, are going to want you to use that you can't use from that framework or the frameworks vendor just stops working on it they move on to something else or they go take it in, in a different direction that you don't you know that you that you can't go with them or whatever so a lot of those decisions are you know the basic technical needs of the app um, you know what what language you're using what framework you're using how you're building it but sometimes you make a decision to kind of uh, enforce better discipline on yourself. And that might be something like, you know, a, a simple thing, build settings, treating warnings as, as errors. You know then you are you're kind of saying, I- I'm trying to prevent a lot of technical debt build up here or a lot of you know bad practices to build up here. So I will enforce some rule here whether it's, you know, warnings as errors, whether it's turning on the Swift concurrency warnings, which I strongly recommend that you do, um, you know, any of those kind of things are like trying to avoid future or current technical debt or bad practices with things. Now that that does restrain you in certain ways. So for instance, if you're treating warnings as errors, like that's going to slow you down during development, it's going to prevent you from doing certain things at all. Um, but again, in the future you're hoping you'll you arrive at a point that is that is, uh, you know, desirable or better. Now, what got what me on this track was, well, I, I mentioned, you know, what if your points, what if your point algorithm for your path, uh, what if there's some kind of dynamic pro- provider for that, but it's asynchronous, and you can only call it from asynchronous contexts. Uh, well, in my Overcast rewrite, <laughs> I've, I've also been writing this SQLite framework called Blackbird alongside of it. Um, and I decided to make Blackbird use a Swift actor, as its main database, um, you know, blocking mechanism. So, because SQLite handles can only be accessed by one thread at a time, so I am using an actor to manage the SQLite access. Which means that for most times you are accessing the database, you are accessing it in an async context. Which means that if there is some like you know system function or callback where you need to fetch a record from the database and and return it synchronously, you basically can't now. The reason I made this decision was to try to build. You know, one of the problems I'm kind of fighting the last fight here. Current overcast versions, and and from from 1.0 all the way to now, we're using the SQLite framework I built for Objective C a million years ago called FC Model. And FC Model, for various reasons, decides instead of using an actor because it didn't exist back then. FC Model serializes access to SQLite by making all database accesses happen on the main thread. Now. Everyone thinks, oh, why would you do that? You're supposed to not never do any work on the main thread. But the reason I did it is because it saves a lot of bugs. That you, you never have bugs of like things that responded to, to database events, being on background threads and updating the UI or having race conditions in the UI or, or anything like that. The reason why was because you could be sure that if you, were, if you were doing anything responding to database events that happened to touch the UI, you'd be fine. And it turned out that works great for avoiding bugs. It is not great for performance and responsiveness of the interface when people have large collections and so i'm I'm fighting this battle now of like this decision I made early on <laughs> for Overcast a million years ago to use this you know this database method um, and this framework that I built way back then. There are a few decisions in that framework that really did not scale as well as I wanted them to. You know, Back then, I didn't realize I'd have customers that had collections of hundreds of podcasts and thousands of episodes. I do, and it's actually not even that uncommon. which uh, surprises me still to this day, but here we are. Um, so those, those decisions I made early on really, really restricted me and had the problem that now, you know the current version of Overcast in the App Store, it's using the main thread for all of its database reads and a lot of its processes as, as a result... And so a lot of stuff like stutters and and makes the animation break or it's not not responsive enough or whatever. Um, And so the new version that I'm building is using this database library, this Blackbird library I made that forces everything to be loaded asynchronously. You can't access the, the database from the main thread synchronously. You just can't. So the result is all over the app. I'm facing a little bit of challenge here and there because I can only access databases and, and records in the database, I can only access them by asynchronous context. So I have to, you know, break out tasks or use the async callbacks for various things. But the result of that is, at the end of the day, what I will have built here from this early decision in the, in the rewrite will be an app that basically can 't lock up to the user it it, it will it would be very difficult for it to lock up to the user um, and it should be way more responsive it should be way more performant through a bunch of other decisions i 'm making too should be way more performant with large collections and way more efficient for everybody and so i 'm making this decision in the, in the early part of the app that will be more difficult as I go, but at the end, the result should be much better. We are brought to you this week by indeed. What's a game where no one wins? The waiting game. When it comes to hiring, don't wait for great talent to find you. Find them first with Indeed. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, you can use Indeed's powerful hiring platform to help you do it all. They streamline hiring with powerful tools that find you matched candidates. With Instant Match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job, according to Indeed Data US. Indeed's hiring platform really is great because it matches you with quality candidates instantly. Even better, Indeed is the only job site where you only pay for applications that meet your must-have requirements, making it an unbelievably powerful hiring platform. delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to Talent Nest 2019. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash undertheradar. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash undertheradar. That's I N D E com slash undertheradar to support the show by saying you heard about it on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Our thanks to Indeed for their support of this show and Relay FM.
1: Yeah. And so I think there is definitely an element of that that is like, yes, the early decisions you make have these profound impacts. Like in your case, it's the, you know, there are these whole sort of structural things that you can or can't do based on a choice you make when you're setting up your, your database uh, tool at the beginning of a project. And I think what initially, immediately it makes me think of is like, so how do we know what are good choices to make? Like, that seems like the crux of this issue is ultimately, like, what we want to do then is we want to make the right choice all the time. And if we make the right choice at the right time, then, like, we'll be perfect. <laughs> how hard could it be? Just be right all the time. <laughs> exactly, right? Like, how hard can that be? And I think, obviously, like, we're being, you know, uh, you know we're, we're being silly about that because the reality is, like, how do you know? It's like, well, some of it is the trial and error of, you know, years of being in this career in terms of I've made Every, you know, I've made every mistake you could imagine, probably at least once, and many, so many of them many times, because <laughs> I, you know, I did, didn't learn the first time. And so, you know, I've written code that was, well, did a lot of work on the main thread and then it completely locks up the app and it's kind of terrible or awful. Or I didn't consider, uh, some of the implications of something would happen in performance or like it works fine when you only have 10 things. But if you have a hundred things and suddenly, you know, it's, I have, you know, some quadratic equation in there that's just like exponentially exploding and it's terrible. And it's like, (laughs) yep, done that. That's, you know, been there. Um, so some of it is just, I think an experience of you, I have a better intuition now. For when I'm making a decision at the beginning of a process for how large of an impact this is going to have. And so how thoughtful I need to be about it. Am I using, you know, am I deciding something like the database system that I'm using to, you know, power my app? If so, I should be really thoughtful about that and try and think not just about like the immediate problems ahead of yourself. But this is where I think something that I started have started to do more and more is to think of the like, how could I, you know, what, what features do I think this app is going to have in? Two or three years. And how would I want to set structure things to be there? Not in the sense of like over engineering everything that assuming that it's going to be around forever and, you know, deal with all these super complicated things, but understand that like if you have obvious features or obvious directions that this is going to go or obvious challenges or issues that you would run into, like in the case of a podcast player, it's like, well, what is, is, does this, get, you know, scale to, People who are subscribing to a hundred shows, to a thousand shows, to ten thousand shows, like, and you have to pick a limit ultimately and say, like, this is where I'm making my choices inside of. This is the sort of expectation that I have. And if I can build decisions or make choices now that are set, is setting that likely path, not just in the near future, but in the semi near future, then I'm, you know, probably going to be in a good place. And, it's like that intuition is just really tough, and it's one of these things that I bring it up as a as a something to be thoughtful of because, especially early in my career, I don't think I thought as enough about the long term choices of the you know of the decisions I was making. And there were a few times I mean, that where that it came back to bite me. Like there was, I remember there was some a project that I built worked on once. This is back before my iOS days, where I was a web developer, and it was I decided, you know what, I'm going to cache all of the API like requests that people are making. In a, the MySQL database that contains the main data, um, of the, of the app. So anytime someone makes a request, I'm going to cache exactly what I'm sending back to them as a string that I'll put into the MySQL database. And then if they ask for the same thing in the future, I'll send it back. So, naively, I thought that would be great. Rolled it out to it rolled it out to uh, production, and the entire production database was just completely destroyed because of the amount of you know heavy read and write of these gig- gigantic string values that were being pushed back and forth to it. And the entire system was taken down, and I had to roll back the change, and that was embarrassing. <laughs> um, and it's like you know, it's like so now I know don't do that. If you need a cache layer, you need to cache it somewhere else. You can't cache it in your main database. Like I've just learned that. But I think there's just it's that sense of I, at the beginning of that I just didn't really think. I wasn't being thoughtful about like, well, what is this gonna have what implications is this gonna have on performance, on maintainability, on all of those kinds of uh those kind of aspects? I mean, recently even I ran into a similar thing, uh, not in the same it's like so in in the same kind of way that I'm working on all these, you know, uh, mapping features for Pedometer Plus Plus, I'm working on a thing that'll let you download offline maps. Makes sense, seems like an obvious feature. I should have considered you know, a year ago when I was working on this feature to start with. Um, but as part of that, what I need to know is how, which, you know, which map tiles have you downloaded? Like that's a very simple fundamental question to, you know, which to downloads, which to map tiles need to be downloaded. And I had no mechanism or provision for that whatsoever in the app. And so right now the best I can do is I need to ask the file system, does this file exist? Which is actually one of these things where you talk about, oh, you know, (laughs) modern devices are pretty fast. One thing that they don't do very great at is asking, asking you know, the file system, here's 38,000 files, you know, which of these exist, essentially. Yeah, that's terrible. Please don't do that. (laughs) it, it, It was not internet now, and I'm having to pay off this, like, poor choice I made back then, that rather than keeping track in some kind of, you know, like, What I'm ultimately doing is I'm making a little SQLite database that is a, you know, a directory essentially of which files have downloaded and which ones haven't. Because you can ask SQLite, you know, which of these 38,000 things exist and it'll come back to you trivially. Like, that's what it does. That's its whole thing. The file system, that's not what it does. And so now I'm having to pay back this poor choice. Whereas what I should have done, I should have anticipated that this was going to happen and, you know, built a system that when it downloads a file, it keeps track of that somewhere. Other than the database. And so now I'm having to pay that off and having to build this thing and have to do a migration where, you know, I sort of synchronously have to like pause the app to go and work out which files exist. And so, you know, it's like, it's, it's, that's, that's the, the disaster that I'm having to undo. And it's like, I think I could have anticipated this one. In fact, I vaguely remember thinking about this back then, but being like, Oh, whatever. It'll be fine. And whenever I tell myself, Oh, whatever. It'll be fine. Essentially what I'm saying is it's like future Dave. Future Dave's going to have a bad day. Like that it's I'm just making a problem for myself in the future. And unfortunately, being an ind- independent developer, that problem is me. Like I'm going yeah, to have right. to deal with that. There's no <laughs> other person who I'm putting in a rough spot. I'm just setting myself up for failure in the future.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of times we we spend a, a lot of a lot of our mental energy when doing a new project worrying about what if this doesn't work? What will make this not work? Uh, but we often don't think enough about What if this succeeds and I have to be, you know, not only maintaining this in five years, 10 years, uh, but what if, what if this grows? Like, how does this scale? You know, what if, what if I get a lot of users and then some part of them uses the app way more heavily than I've planned for? Like, you know, as you're saying, what if somebody has downloaded thousands of those map tiles, you know, like as part of a huge, you know, traveling or, you know, that's possible. What if somebody has five hundred podcast subscriptions? Like that's possible, and, and again, not even not even as uncommon as you would think. <laughs> um, and so you have to think like you know th- whatever decisions I'm making here is this like how manageable can I make things in five or ten years b- by decisions I'm making now? And a lot of that comes down to again, just you know, first of all, wise tech decisions early on, like you know, not building against some weird third party framework for your entire UI or whatever, but also. I think it's important to try to not close doors unnecessarily. So, And this is very difficult because, you know, we don't have foresight, really. We don't have perfect predictions. We can't tell what the future will bring. Um, but you can kind of tell, like, you know, am I – is some decision I'm making, is this going to make it difficult to change later? So, for instance, like, I mean, this is – God, this is one of the reasons why I hate running servers uh, because I have all this user data in my servers, in these giant MySQL servers – and I, it, it, some of those decisions I made early on with like how the data is structured, how it works, how things are optimized so the servers don't get crushed, some of those decisions make it more difficult for me to, to, to either change the way certain things behave or to add certain types of new features because they, will, they, they would either require some massive migration on the servers that is just too cumbersome and time-consuming and dangerous to attempt uh, or they would crush the servers under too much load and I don't want to deal with that. And so the whole decision of how you know, first of all, you know the server database schema and layout, and how how certain things work, that has massive long running implications if if you actually do last a long time. And then the decision to have this be on servers at all is a huge like you know committing yourself to future future problems kind of kind of decision. Um, and. I you know if I was doing things different if I was doing things fresh today from the entire product perspective like if I didn't already have users that's another thing like you know when you already have customers and users of your app uh it's it becomes harder to make changes down the road because you know we talked about this before people don't like change they don't like for things to all of a sudden be different in the app they've been using for years um if it, if it's if it's not the way they want it to be or if it's different from the way they were using it or if it if it makes something they that they did Either not possible anymore or more cumbersome. Um, so even having users can restrict you a lot. But you know, again, like the earlier on, you make some of these decisions the better. But but ultimately, you're not going to be perfect at making these decisions. So the more flexible you can be, the better. the the more The more potential flexibility you can leave on the table, the better. So you know, make make things, make decisions early on and build things early on to be changeable. And to be flexible and to, to be resilient to change um, that. And I know that's that's easier said than done. But to keep that in your mind, like, you know, what would happen if I decided to to change the entire way this data is stored? What would happen if I moved from a client side model to a server side model or vice versa? Like, can I build the database layer? Can I build the the structure of the app conceptually or can I build, you know, the, the way I'm processing this? to account for those kind of changes. What if iCloud gets really good in the future? Or what if iCloud gets really bad in the future? <laughs> how do I yeah. how do I account for those? How do, like how do I build the app to be a little flexible on that kind of thing? And again, easier said than done, but the more you keep
1: it in your head, the more likely you are to to be on that track. Yeah, and I, and I think there there's this, definitely this element of try to wait to make decisions until you have more information. Is maybe one way of thinking that the the difficulty with so many of these things is that yeah, it's like if the more you can sort of preserve optionality for the future is awesome that if you can push off a decision to later on in the process where you have more information where you have more experience like this is part of why honestly i love i think we talked about this over the summer with my like backpack driven development where i just tend to build lots of small prototypes and experience lots of different things in these kind of like development spikes into a problem rather than trying to sort of tackle it properly from the beginning i tend to go around and explore a lot is i trying to gather information so that i can make a better more informed decision for the future, that I'm pushing off the having to decide what I do for my database level or the approach I take to a particular problem until I have more information. And in my case, I specifically and consciously try and gather that information. But either way, even if you're not making that specific goal that you're doing, the later you can push a push a decision into the development process, the more information you inevitably and naturally will have. And so the better informative a choice and the better, you know, you'll be able to set yourself up for the the future as a result. And so I think that is just sort of like a, it's, it's definitely not easy to delay decisions that at some point you have to make the hard choice. You have to decide, well, how am I going to store this data? What algorithm am i going to use? What framework am I going to use? Whatever it is, like eventually you have to do that and you have to build the thing. You can't just keep waiting forever, but you can set yourself up for making a better, more informed choice that you're going to regret less by waiting until you have the most information you possibly can before you make that choice Uh, or gathering the information you know to set yourself up for that choice so i think those are the things that we can do to try and make the best decision because obviously it's impossible to just always make the right choice but we can do things to make it more likely that more often our future self will not be you know cursing our past self
0: yeah, and there's always going to be some of that, believe me. Like that's just life, but yep. yeah, the more the more you can consider that from the beginning and try to reduce it the better. Absolutely. Thanks for listening everybody, and we'll talk to you in 2 weeks. Bye.